Good morning, Willow Park Church. Welcome to our worship service online. I'm so glad that you have joined us. Of course, the big news is, is that next week we will be having the opportunity to meet in person. And then we will go through the process of getting the building ready so that we can do more extensive children's, both at Mission and at Lake Country. We're working hard on the plan, but we're looking forward to our first in-person services since November taking place next Sunday. So be sure to check out online. The information will appear this coming week. We will send out emails. We will make notices. So that's really exciting. I also realize that as we hear about the work of the Holy Spirit, we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. And so can I encourage you to keep seeking the Lord, to keep pushing in. Now today, down in the mission, Jeremy will be speaking. And here at 33, Pastor Jordan. Both of them will be leading communion within their service. So prepare the emblems, but know that it will happen as part of the sermon. So before we begin, let me pray. Can I also say that we've had the sad news of three grade 12s who have been killed in a car accident from Kelowna Secondary School. This is devastating news. Kelowna is a small place. We're all interconnected and we all feel this. And I think it'd be appropriate for us to have a moment of silence and then a moment of prayer for the families of those who have experienced this great loss, for the school and for all their friends for the school, Kelowna Secondary School, for the first responders that arrived on the scene. I know that from my work with the fire department and just knowing what the crews would be going through. So can you pray? But let's particularly, of course, and often we don't have words. And this is where we can only say, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy. And often we groan in our prayers. And I feel that when I heard, I had to sit down and shed a tear and feel the groaning. And that has been with me ever since I received the news. Particularly as I've got a grade 12 who's graduating this coming uh, weeks. Father, we pause before you now. And as a church... We stop and we pray for the families. Christ, will you comfort? Lord Jesus Christ, come close. We do not have words to speak. But Lord, we pray, come in the middle of this darkest time. Bring your presence and bring your comfort. Be with the family members. 
Be with the friends. Be with the school. Be with the first responders. Be with all those that are part of this painful narrative, I ask. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So good to share the burdens of our community and to keep praying. And I'm sure you have been. Well, let's step into a time of worship and we're mindful of what God is doing. And as we worship, may your spirits be encouraged and may you know the closeness of the Lord right now. Good morning, Willow Park Church. Lovely to have you with us today. We're going to worship Jesus together. First song is God of our salvation. And it said, God so loved his children, he gave his only son Jesus, that we might be forgiven and death has been overcome. That's not a good reason to get out of your chair right now and start worshiping Jesus and clapping your hands and dancing around a bit. I don't know what is. So let's go.
mercies have I beheld in the master of wind and violent seas. You beckon me out to waters deep. I'm fearful, Lord, but I'll keep my eyes fixed on you. That's our prayer during the song. We're going to make Jesus our rock and our foundation and be steadfast in him.
we want to fix our eyes on you. We want you to be our vision. We want you to be our best thought by day or by night. Holy Spirit, help us. Lead us into all truth so that we can better fix our eyes on Jesus, our Savior.
That's our prayer, that you would be our vision, that you would be the one that we fix our eyes on, that you would be the foundation that we build our lives upon so that we are always getting all the glory back to you, that anything that we get from how we live and how we reflect you goes back to you, that when people see you in us, they would glorify our Father in heaven. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be that way this week, this day, in our families, in our workplaces, in our places of influence, that you would be seen in everything that we do and say, and even in our inner lives, that that would reflect you too. And your Holy Spirit would draw us into a better and closer relationship with you and a better reflection of Jesus every day. For your sake and for your glory. Amen. Enjoy the rest of your service. Oh, doesn't it feel good <laughs> to, um, to celebrate, to hear the songs, to worship and to praise the Lord? Honestly, there are some times uh, when I'm worshipping, I am lost in adoration and honour and praise of all that God does. It's amazing. What a blessing. Uh, I am blessed at all that the church has done, the way that you have worked over the last months since November. You know, you may not know this, but um, on Christmas Eve, we had 180 cars full of people that came and worshipped. On, on the carols in cars, we had 210 cars that came, 90 volunteers. We've given out over 100 meals to people in our church who have been sick and ill through this uh, COVID pandemic. We've delivered, children's departments delivered those pizza boxes, over 500 of them. They've run 48 online uh, children's events. They have written 39 pages of COVID plans to enable us to do these events. They've had appearances of puppets um, 30 times. That's fun, isn't it? We prayed for 21 days. We held 42 prayer meetings. We prayed for 50 hours in January in prayer meetings. 128 people joined Marriage Alpha. We had a drive-in and saw... Over 290 people come to our drive-in movie. We ran spring break camp, put courses online. We're running Alpha at the moment, gave away 200 potted plants. Over 14,000 people from, from over 50 countries have engaged in our services. It's been beautiful what the Lord has done. Curtis has run hymn sings and we've done drive-in church and still doing it today and church on the lawn in all of our locations and now we're changing again yes 
Next weekend, information is coming through, June the 6th. I need you to join us for Willow One Prayer. All of that I've just described and a lot more has gone on is because of we've been fueled by the power of prayer. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. Yes, yes, prayer works. Yes, prayer changes everything. So Willow One Prayer, Monday evening, Whole church, let's get online. Let's pray because we've got from June through to September to prepare for what it looks like a full reopening at the end of the pandemic to celebrate together, to praise together. But we want to do what the Lord wants us to do. We want to be led by the Spirit. We've learned lots of deep and meaningful spiritual lessons through this journey. And I'm looking forward to sharing those with you. What is priority? Small groups, connecting together, community, relationship. We see the importance of this. Sharing the good news with our community so much more. So as we go into Willow One News, please connect with us. Stay connected and join us for Willow One Prayer. And the Lord bless you. And remember, communion will happen And will be led by the two preachers, Jeremy down at the mission and Jordan at Highway 33. And we continue our teaching about the work of the Holy Spirit. Thanks for joining us. Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Thank you for joining us at Church Online. Here is your family news. This summer, you are invited to our Willow Park Church Camp Out happening at Pines Bible Camp. Camping is available July 5th to 16th, and we will have special activities for all ages planned for the weekend of July 9th to 12th. We still have some camping spots available, but register today as space is limited. Registration is now open for our in-person kids camp happening July 26th to 29th. This half-day camp will be lots of fun for kids age 4 to completed grade 4. But that's not all. We are also running a preteen adventure camp for kids who have completed grade 4 or 5. This camp is happening in the afternoons on July 26th to 29th and will include activities at the church as well as an off-site adventure every day. Register today. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service. Good morning, Willow Park Church South family. Uh, this is Pastor Jeremy here. Going to bring the message for you this Sunday, Glenn. Uh, he is uh, off this Sunday. It was a busy week for our the life of the church with our finance meeting and our annual general meeting. And Glenn spent a lot of time preparing that. And so... Um, Here I am this Sunday to bring the message to you. Uh, We're continuing our series called Powered Up. I was just like, I walked in and I saw this and I was like, oh, what a great name for Power Up. But it almost sounds like an energy drink. But it's exciting uh, that we are having this uh, study on the Holy Spirit. Uh, and this is one of my favorite topics. There's a lot of, we all have our favorite topics that we talk about that we uh, really can engage with. And, you know, two things that really excite me is one is discipleship. 
We started talking about discipleship. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. At the college I was at, I taught classes on this. And I love to talk about um, the Holy Spirit and what it means to be filled and what a walk with the Spirit looks like. Uh, I taught a class called Fruitful Living. And a lot of what we talk about today is going to come from that class. It's almost unfair to try to talk about uh, what I'm going to talk about in one sermon. And so... Hopefully, this sermon leads and guides you well, uh, and there's not too much information. And so I'm excited, uh, really excited for this uh, topic today. Before I begin, I just want to pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you that we can gather online this Sunday morning. Lord, we're excited about the news that uh, there are going to be people in front of Pastor Glenn on this stage next week. And so we are we can see the light for this COVID uh, tunnel that we are navigating, and we're excited uh, that there's a plan, and we're looking forward to September, uh, and hopefully that we can relaunch again and have more than just 50 people uh, in this auditorium. Lord, we thank you so much um, for everyone who has continued to walk with us as we have navigated these last 14 months. We pray, Lord, as we engage with your scripture today, Lord, that we will leave changed. Lord, that we will leave, um, Lord, feeling comforted, but also feeling challenged, Lord. Uh, What it means to walk by the Spirit, what it means to be filled, what it means to have that evidence of being filled by the Spirit. And so, Lord, Lead and guide us today. In your name we pray. Amen. In our home, we like to have uh, this conversation. Uh, for, so, for many of you who've watched, you know that I'm American, and my wife, she's Canadian. And obviously, we are living in Canada. And so some of our conversation, especially with our kids, because you know what, they've only experienced Canadian culture. You know, we've gone down to the States to visit family and to hang out and go to vac- on vacation, and they could even see the differences, but they want to know more about the differences uh, between America and Canada. And so in our home, we have this conversation about how do you know, like, what are some of the signs that, you know, mom's Canadian and dad's American, and that, you know, we grew up in different spaces. And, you know, and there are things, you know, we point out in each other uh, that are different from where we come from. And you know what? As you, one of the big things is, like, we know when Americans are traveling through the airports. Um, you know, as people can tell, that guy is American. Usually they have an American flag on their backpack. You know what? I tell my kids, I used to look like this. Like, <laughs> like this is, you know, this is a picture of dad. You know what? Uh, you know what? American gloves on, American hat on, and you know what, sunglasses. Americans are very flamboyant about their nation and their love for it. Um, you know what, and to all my American friends who are here in Canada or maybe even watching today, it is Memorial Day. Happy Memorial Day. Uh, well, Memorial Day is tomorrow, but happy Memorial Day weekend. And so, like, Americans, they know, you know where Americans come from. We are very boisterous about our Americanism. But, you know what, how do we know? How do you know, when we're talking about what defines American to Canadian, uh, there's one thing that I usually tell my kids. We are literally the only ones who use the imperial system. Literally the only ones. Why? Because we're stubborn? I don't know. Because, you know, we're like, yeah, we're the only ones, and so we're number one. Who knows? But uh, that's something that defines us. 
Uh, we wear our shoes in the house. When I walk into a house, not anymore. I know I've been Canadian house trained. I don't know what it is. But, you know, for America, it, it's just natural. You walk into a home and you wear your shoes in the home. You don't take them off. And that sounds weird. But, you know, that is how we roll. But uh, we say fourth grade instead of grade four. Yeah, that's a big difference. Uh, high school, we stop saying, you know, like ninth grade, we say you're a freshman. When you get to 10th grade, you're a sophomore. 11th grade, you are a junior. And then 12th grade, you're a senior. And like I said, we are, we are highly recognizable when we travel. These are some of the distinctions. You know, it's the signs that I am American. And you know, my language and my accent sometimes can show that where I'm from, the East Coast and Pittsburgh, people know this. Last week, Glenn, he talked about being filled with the Spirit and showed us, you know, throughout Scripture, we are encouraged to be filled with the Spirit. You know, we are going to go look at today how I know, how we know we are filled with the Spirit. How do I know I'm living this Spirit-filled life? Like, and this is an amazing question, a question that, you know, I, we hear so many times. How do I know that the Spirit's inside of me? How do I know I'm Spirit-filled and Spirit-led? And so we're going to talk about what that looks like and how you can tell that, you know, the Spirit is, you are filled, that you are walking with the Spirit. And so you've heard sermons I've told you to do on this. Walk with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And maybe you have left thinking, like, what does this mean? Like, what are they talking about? What is walking by the Spirit? This is a great question. What is walking by the Spirit? And there are two images in which shed light on the meaning of, being, uh, of walking by the Spirit. The first is in Galatians 5.18. And a lot of what we're going to talk about is in Galatians 5, uh, you know, 16 to 26. And so if you want to open your Bibles and have that just in front of you, that would be great. But Galatians 5.18 says this, and this is life by the Spirit, literally the title of what this section of Scripture says. It says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. And so we get this first image of being led by the Spirit. If Paul had said, if you follow the Spirit, you are not under law, it would have been true. But in using the passive term, if you are led, he emphasizes it's the Spirit's work, not yours. And so he could have said, if you follow the Spirit, which would have been true. If you follow the Spirit, you know what? Uh, but he, he used this passive voice, if you are led, and so it says, if you are led, this emphasizes not our work, but the Spirit's work in leading. I like to say it like this. Picture a, a pace car. If you've watched racing, you know, as all of the race cars, they begin out on the track, there's this car that comes out and leads them in front of them. And so the Spirit is not a leader like a pace car. The Spirit doesn't lead like a pace car, you know, because the, the Spirit goes out and it's setting the pace and we're following behind it and, you know, we're accelerating and we're, we're like, well, now it's not going as fast as the pace car, so we decelerate or we brake to, you know, to try to keep pace with the Spirit. The Spirit's not like that. The Spirit's like this. He is a, he is a leader like a locomotive on a train. We do not follow in our own strength. That's what the pace... That's what <clears throat> the race cars are doing. They're following in their own strength to the pace car. 
but the Spirit leads like a locomotive. We do not follow in our own strength. We are led by His power. We are led by the power of the Spirit. So that means that we connect to the Holy Spirit, and then as we are close to the Spirit, then the Spirit, it leads and it guides us. And so walk by the Spirit means to stay hooked to the divine source of power and go wherever He leads. And so we are staying connected to the Holy Spirit, and we are following the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit leads. We are not, you know, in our own vehicle, and we're following this pace car, and we're trying to accelerate, decelerate. That's on our own strength. We are hooking up to the Holy Spirit. We're letting the Holy Spirit lead us. And the second image of our walk in the Spirit is in verse 22 of Galatians 5. And it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and it keeps going, etc., etc. If our Christian walk is to be a walk of love, joy, and peace, then walk by the Spirit must bear the fruit of the Spirit. But again, the Spirit's work is emphasized. It's not ours. He bears the fruit. The Spirit is bearing the fruit within us. And so maybe Paul, he got this, you know what, from Jesus. Maybe he got this image from Jesus where it says this in John 15, 4 to 5. It says this, Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. So walk by the Spirit means this. Abide in the vine. We don't walk by the Spirit. We must abide in the vine first. Keep yourself securely united to the living Christ. Don't cut ourselves off from the flow of the Holy Spirit. We need to abide in Jesus constantly. So it begins when we accept Jesus, when we accept Christ, we accept him and the Holy Spirit comes and it lives inside of us. And Glenn, last week he used that illustration of a blender and you have, you know, it's some fruit in the blender and he has some water. And so when we accept him, the Spirit's within us. But when we abide in Jesus, when we follow Jesus, when we come close to Jesus, it's like turning that blender on, we get more of the Spirit inside of us. And that's a wonderful image. And I was talking with Glenn, I was like, I used that like a year and a half, two years ago, when I talked about what life in the Spirit means like in Lake Country. So we're just on that same wavelength, Glenn and I. So when we abide in Christ, we become more like Him. And we are with Him, and the Spirit is with us. Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever been to a desert? Like a legit desert? Well, let's talk about the desert a little bit, the details. The desert, it's just phenomenal. You know, it's just sand everywhere. And then, you know what, there's random animals that live within it. And you know what, sand hills, and it goes for days, and it's hot, and it's dry. And it's an amazing place to visit, amazing place, you know, to set our eyes on. But, you know, we're not going to be like, you know what, I love the desert so much. I love the sand so much. I love the windstorms so much. I'm going to play at my house right here in the middle of this desert. See, the thing about a desert is a place you want to visit, but not really a place you want to live. Now let's look at this scripture in Jeremiah 17, 6 to 10. And it says this, He will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. 
He will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. The primary difference between these two trees that was just talked about in Jeremiah is their location. It's the location of your trust that determines your fruitfulness, that determines if you are bearing the Holy Spirit. It determines if you are bearing fruit. It's the location of your time that determines your fruitfulness. If you're with him more, if you're with Christ more, you're abiding with him more, then naturally the Spirit will fill you more, and then you will have the evidence of the Spirit, which is bearing fruits of love, joy, peace. Now, this is fine. This is great. We can believe we are in a good location and in our great place of our fruitfulness. But there is a problem, and we see it in verse 9. What it says in verse 9 of Jeremiah 17 is this. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who understands it? Now, we have all heard this verse. This is the verse we heard, we've heard or, or we talk about when we are you know, talking to people about sin. But let's look at it in the context of Jeremiah here. Jeremiah is speaking to Israel at this time. And at this point, Israel is actually doing well. Or what they think. They think they're doing well. So if you go and you ask Israel at this time, hey, do you think you guys are being fruitful? Do you think you guys are doing well? Do you think you're abiding in, in God? Do you think you're planted next to him? Do you think you're in a good location? Do you think you're planted by that stream rather than in the desert? And they would be like, yeah, look at us. Look how well we are doing. Like we're rich. We are wealthy. We have good neighbors. We are in good standing everywhere. But the truth is that Jeremiah, he comes in, he's like, actually, you're not. He's saying, you think you are, but you're actually, you are not. And we can be like this sometimes. We we're like, we're doing well. We think we're doing well. You know, things are going so well for us. And that's how we define, you know, when, if we have a good relationship with God, things are happening well for us. But actually, we might not be doing that well, spiritually. Because we have this, as humans, have this amazing capability of self-deception and self-justification. Our heart can, you know, actually work against us. It's like this autoimmune disease. And so my brother-in-law, he has this autoimmune disease and it attacks his body. And this is what happens. When my brother-in-law, he gets sick, his, our body comes in, you know it, and we have these, you know, it's, this, these, oh gosh, they are, uh, you know, the antibodies that come in and fight the sickness, right? It activates our immune system to come and you know what, something is in here that is not that shouldn't be in here. And so it comes in his immune system and it fights off that um, sickness. And so it goes in and fights off the cold, let's say. And then it's like, you know what? His immune system is so pumped up and it's like ready to go. And it's like, and it's fought off this cold and then it continues to fight. 
And so then it went off and it started to fight off his kidney. And so he had this, what's called IgG4. And so his immune system was getting so hyper, getting so active, and it would fight off the sickness that it would just continue to fight off other things within his body. And so it fought off his kidney, and, um, you know, he needed a kidney transplant. So pumped up. And now he's in kidney failure, and he's on dialysis, and he's waiting for a new kidney. Now they know that he has this autoimmune disease, that now they, they can plan against it. So when he gets a new kidney, he will be fine. And so this is like our body. Our body thinks it's actually helping us, but in reality, it's working against us sometimes. And this is like our hearts and our minds. See, but what is happening in this passage, what is happening in Jeremiah 17, is he lays out there's two trees. And he's saying, we are deceitful, but God knows you. He isn't making a declaration, Jeremiah. He's actually sending out an invitation to relationship. An invitation to bear fruit. An invitation to streams of living water. An invitation to be planted in a place where your leaves will always be green. God is sending out an invitation for you to come to abide in him, to come close to him and be planted by streams of water so that you can bear fruit. And he's calling us to abide in him, to draw close to him, to stay with him. Because as we are with Jesus, more of the Spirit comes and fills us. And then naturally we begin to live this Spirit-filled life that looks like the life of Christ. And we see it in Jeremiah. Those who abide in God, those who abide in Christ, bear fruit. Now, spirit-filled life begins by abiding in Him, staying close to Him. This is how we know that we can be filled with the Spirit. We begin to bear the fruit. Now, what fruit am I talking about? What, am I, like, what are we discussing here? It's in Galatians 5, 22 to 24. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. We have an apple tree and peach tree in our yard. Like the Saskatchewan family, we are really loving being in the Okanagan. This is amazing. We're like, we have fruit trees. Our kids are like, when can we get apples? When can we get peaches? What other trees can we get? So we know these trees by their fruits, right? We know that this is an apple tree because, you know what? It's producing apples. I'm not going to be like, this is my apple tree that produces pears. What it produces defines what it is. It defines the tree. Just like for us, we are defined by what we bear. It helps us recognize the life that we're living. And so when we're bearing these things, when we're bearing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, we are then are saying that we are a tree planted by Jesus. We are a tree that lives by the Spirit because we are bearing these fruits. Do you notice this? That the evidence that we are walking in the Spirit or filled with the Spirit is not defined by our giftings. Why is this? First off, 
the two most popular substitutes for fruit are spiritual gifts or natural talent. Because we are all given a different portioning of a gift or a talent. Within us, God has given us the ability from Christ. And it can range from wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, discernment, apostleship, teaching, helps and service, administration, evangelism, pastoring, encouraging, giving, leadership, mercy, hospitality, tongues of prophecy. Like we have all been planted within us these natural gifts. Some of us, we naturally can lean that way, right? administrative people, they're just naturally administrative. No matter what this cause is, they just have that skill, that talent. People can lead. And it's just because God has placed that within them. You're either leading well, you're not leading well. People, you know what, they can naturally just connect with people. They either by evangelism or just by being like, I just went out and just met people and just talked with them and I connected with them and we were friends and it was amazing. They go, wherever they go, they seem to make a friend. This is something that God has created us to do and is a part of the ministry he has for us, these gifts and these talents. But spiritual gifts were never meant to be this measurement of our spirituality, of our walk with Christ. Even the most fleshly believers, they have these gifts. There is no merit in having a gift. And in the flesh, there is no merit in exercising our gift. And this might sound like, oh, this sounds tough. But it's about how we are walking with the Spirit. How we measure that we are filled with the Spirit. How our walk with Christ looks and reflects upon others. It's easier to exercise a gift than to walk in the Spirit. Let that sink in. It's easier to exercise a gift than to walk in the Spirit. But not only that, certain gifts and talents have this high entertainment value. When exploited in the right way, gifts and talents, they can be a real crowd pleaser. And spiritual gifts can be very profitable. You can organize conferences and revivals with gifts. You can administer fundraisers with gifts. Spiritual gifts can help when it comes to writing books and preparing emotionally charged sermons. But none of these things are meant to be indicators that a man or a woman is under the control of the Holy Spirit. Like, it's just natural and easy for me to maybe to get up and teach. Like, give me a topic and I can just teach it. After I've studied it and I have passion for it, then, you know, to administer that teaching just comes naturally to me or preaching. Or administration. I can administer things well. Finances, you give that to me, I just naturally help it. I just naturally can work towards that. See, Matthew 7, 15 to 23 says this. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. But their fruit will, you will, by their fruit, you will recognize them. That's huge. By their fruit, you will recognize them. And it's not maybe how many people they bring to Christ, but how they are walking in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Do people keep pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 
Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And you know what? We can look at this past year. We know of some leaders. We're like, wow, their ministry, look at it. It's so good. We've used their resources and everything. And because naturally, maybe they research or uh, like reading the Bible or, you know, it's having it like come to, they can just portray it in a way where they teach well. And we're like, oh, they're amazing. But the fruit, maybe their heart wasn't there. We've seen and been shocked by some of the things that have come out, come out. Jesus was warning people of his day to be on the lookout for gifted leaders who would take advantage of them and lead them astray. They would be men who look good on the outside, but maybe inside, just like it said in Jeremiah 17, they weren't planted completely by the stream. They would perform well. They would know all the right things to say. They would have no problem drawing a crowd. But he said there's only one way to find out what's really going on. Look for the fruit. That was his way of saying there will be a marked contrast between their public performance and their character. And this is how we know we are with this Spirit. It's not our public performance that changes, but it's our character that changes. It's what's inside of us that changes. It's how we react when things aren't going our way. It's how we look at the situation around us. It's how we look at people around us. It's how we portray Christ to others. Giftedness does not determine greatness in God's book. Jesus said, you will know them by their fruits, by how they walk. Not by how anointed they may appear to be. Not by the miracles they perform. Not by the revelation knowledge that they claim to have. You will recognize God's hand of blessing upon them. You will recognize the spirit within them. You will recognize the spirit-filled lives by the fruit that they bear. And this just continues to go back. There's so many verses that we can connect with to this. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And this is huge, the heart. This is how we know we are living by the Spirit. We are walking in the Spirit. And this is something Christ is always reminding us. In John 7, 24, it states this, Stop judging by outward appearances, but judge justly. Now, what does justly mean? Well, in the Greek, it's dikeus. This is how it is defined in the Greek. Properly approved by God, righteous, just in the eyes of God, conforming to his being, judging by his standard. So what this scripture is saying is to judge by God's standard, and God's standard is the heart. See, this is just who we are. We can sometimes be easily astrayed and amused by what we see. The Lord continues to remind us to look past what our physical eyes see and look deeper into what the spiritual eyes see. To put it bluntly, great preachers are not necessarily great Christians. And that's a big, bold statement. 
But as we look at Scripture, we have seen the gifts, and we see, you know, as people draw closer with Christ, yeah, you know, maybe, you know, they're just these amazing, great teachers, but you know what? They're just judged by the fruit, by their character, by the way that they walk, by the way that they resemble Christ in other situations, rather than being on the stage and delivering a message. The same goes for famous singers and best-selling Christian writers. If you want to know what kind of Christian I am, if you want to know what kind of Christian Jeremy is, interview my family, people I work with. That's the real indicator. It's a whole lot easier to, for me to preach a great sermon on patience. But it's a lot harder for me to be patient. Preaching, I guess, and teaching, they just come natural to me. It's a gift given to me. R.C. Sproul, he writes, it's easier for me to write a book about peace than to practice peace. The litmus test of knowing a person's public character to, to their private character is where their fruit is, what their fruit is. Now we're going to start closing this as we come to the end. We have to recognize it's about fruit. It's about bearing those fruits of the Spirit that talk is talked about in Galatians 5.22. So how do you know you are bearing the fruit of the Spirit? Since the fruit of the Spirit shows us that we are filled, how, like how can I see it in my life? How do, I, how do I know? You guys, you're asking amazing questions today. Thank you. Good job. I, ho- you know, I, I know that you're saying these questions at home. I thank you for asking them out loud and for me being able to hear them. How do I know that, y- how can I see that I am filled with the Spirit? As we abide with Christ, we become more like Christ. His Spirit begins to fill us. The Holy Spirit reflects and illuminates Jesus. And what we know about Jesus is this, that Jesus is the greatest example of love. We can see his great love right throughout the whole Bible. When Jesus was asked, how do you show love to another person? He told the story of the Good Samaritan, right? Where people were passing this guy on the road. And then the Good Samaritan comes and he helps him and he looks after him and he, he you know, it's, he takes care of him. He puts him up in a place. He pays for that day and even more if it necessary. And on top of that, these people were enemies. If we are filled with the Spirit, we begin to love like Christ loves. Right? That goes against every natural thing that we would ever do help somebody that is our natural enemy. Love someone who is our natural enemy. We look like, we want it to look like 1 John 3.16. This is my favorite verse throughout the whole Bible. If we, this is how we know love, that we lay down our lives for others as Christ has laid down his life for us. This is how we begin to know that we are filled with the Spirit. We begin to act differently to other people. All the other fruits, they begin to flow from out of this space, out of that first fruit that's mentioned, love. 
Now, this isn't just some lovey-dovey sermon, but we need to recognize the love that Christ has for us. We need to recognize how countercultural it is, and we need to recognize that when we accept that, that we need to begin to illuminate then the love of Christ to others. And as we illuminate the love of Christ to others, then all of these other fruits of the Spirit begin to flow from that place of knowing and accepting Christ's love. We have joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control because we abide with Christ. His Spirit has filled us. We are reminded of His love for us and us in turn love others and we begin to exude the gifts of the Spirit. This isn't me making this up. This is the Spirit-filled life. The scribe, he asked Jesus, uh, which of the 613 commandments of the law of Moses came first in importance to Jesus? And what did he say his reply? He quoted the first part of the Shema, the creed of Israel, which Jews recite daily. He said, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the scribe asked, about the first and the scribe asked about the first and foremost commandment. Jesus added a second right on to that. He said, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. For Jesus, loving God and loving people, they go together. They're inseparable. Love is of prime importance because if we truly love, we are doing all that God requires of us. Christ knows that this is where he wants us to begin. With the love that he has shown to us and that we accept it, we are then to show to others. He knows if we don't have love, then we literally have nothing. Everything we do is pointless, it's fruitless, it's simply just work. And 1 Corinthians 13, 1 talks about this. It talks about how gifts without love are barren. Then it gets to this part in verse 3, and it says, If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. When we read that, giving up everything, right? That seems of kindness. Giving up everything to somebody else, right? Giving it to the poor, that seems like, oh, kindness, such kindness. But if we don't have love, then we're not bearing that fruit of kindness. We're like, oh, this person, you know, he was so kind. Like we were, he was, this person was so kind that he gave this person his coat. But what if the person that you were giving your coat to spat on you? Would you still give them that coat? If you did, then you show them kindness because you love somebody even though they didn't deserve it, right? They spat on you. They called you names. They said you were the worst. But you saw them on the road and broken and poor and you just had this overwhelming kindness for them, this love for them that you gave them their coat even though in the midst of everything they did not show it back to you, that love and kindness. Love is simply what makes our faith move. It's the coal to our engine. It's what moves us forward and helps us move forward. It binds everything together in perfect harmony. Colossians three twelve to 14 says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Right? Those are some of the fruits that it's talking about. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, over all these virtues, over all those other things like gentleness and kindness, put on love, 
which binds them all together in perfect unity. And so this is where it begins. When we accept Christ, we love Christ, we abide with Christ, we become more like Christ, and the heart of Christ is to love others. And as we exude this love for others, that's how we know the Spirit's within us. And then we begin to show kindness through the love that Christ has shown to us. We begin to show peace in the midst of the love that Christ has for us. This is walking in the Spirit. As we abide with Christ, we are filled with the Spirit, then we are bear the fruit of the Spirit. So we know we are bearing fruit when we can look at our lives and we can say, I was kind when someone was mean to me. I was kind to people who I see that maybe don't agree with me, that maybe have a different stance, because you know, I know God loves them. He loves me. I had peace when the situation wasn't so peaceful. And this is huge. Do we have peace when things are good? Of course we do. That's easy. But do we have peace when everything seems to be going against us? We know of Vanessa Dobson. We have prayed for her family as Shanna Dobson. Her daughter has been going through this season of uncertainty for six months. They were in Vancouver as she received the bone marrow transplant. And there was uncertainty that surrounded this. Vanessa is staff at Willow Park Church. And we were talking a couple of weeks ago as we were gathering outside in church on lawn in Lake Country. And we're like, how do you know the Spirit's inside of you? She's like, when we were going through this thing with Shanna, this ordeal with Shanna, we just had peace. We didn't know what the other side looked like. We weren't sure how she was going to come out on the other side. We weren't sure. We weren't promised that this was going to work. But it, through the midst of this, we just had this comfort. We knew Christ loved us. Out of that love, we bear this fruit of peace that through any situation, I have God. I have Christ. And I trust that he's with me. And his peace is with me. Were you patient when somebody wasn't patient with you? For parents with kids, this is like the ultimate litmus, litmus test. Mom, can I have another one? Mom, can I have another one? Mom, can I have another one? Dear Lord Jesus, give me patience. They ask me for another snack. I'm going to throw a snack at them so hard that they are going to have to try to catch it with a baseball glove. This is not true. I was gentle when people were gentle with me. I was joyful in the midst of a crappy situation. In the midst of COVID, have you been joyful? See, there's this difference between happy and joy. Happiness is an emotion, and God, he never intended for his people to live in an emotional state all the time. He says there's a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. We are to live in those emotional states for a time. The Bible speaks much often of joy than being hap of happy. Hap means chance, and it is the several root words that have this hap in it. Happen, happening, haphazard, which means dependent on mere chance. Um, hapless, happenstance, and happy. See, happiness is a glad feeling that depends on something good happening by chance, by a moment. God wants you to experience happy times, but his greater desire is that you have an unconditional joy. Jesus said his joy would remain in you, and your joy no one will take from you. Think of joy as a strong foundation that supports a variety of healthy emotions. When we have this joy as a strong foundation— it supports so many of our emotions, including happiness. 
So the long-range evidence of joy is this gratitude, is this contentment, is this optimism, is a sense of freedom and other positive attitudes. Also, when we demonstrate joy, we are actively showing where our priorities are. Notice the parable of the treasure in a field. It says this, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like hidden, like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over, he goes and he sells everything that he has, and he buys that field because of Jesus. The joy over the coming kingdom and what God has revealed makes everything else in life seem less important. So if you're grouchy, you're ungrateful, you're negative, and you're angry Christians, they don't exactly demonstrate the truth about the kingdom of God then. Because we have something so wonderful that nothing else takes priority over it. We are so happy and joyful that we'll sell everything off. And so when we're acting grouchy, when we're acting ungrateful, when we're acting negative, we're not actually exuding what this man has found in his field. It is something to rejoice about every day, all day, at work, at home, while driving, while playing, everywhere else. We are so overfilled with joy because of what the treasure that we have inside of us. And that comes from abiding closer with Jesus. We can go on and on, and I can continue on, and I wish I could. But this is how we know. We abide, His Spirit fills us, we are planted by Him, and then we begin to exude these fruits of the Spirit. That doesn't change due to circumstance. Let's pray today. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that as we walk and live by the Spirit, Lord, we begin to exude these fruits of the Spirit that you have laid out for us in Galatians 5. Lord, we want to be living examples of you, Lord. We want to show others what it means to, be, to bear a fruitful life, Lord. And there are many gifts and talents that we have that, you know, maybe it seems like, oh, they're the biggest in Christian, but Lord, it comes down to how we love, Lord, to how we are patient, to how we are joyful, to how we show kindness. And Lord, that speaks of the character within inside of us. Because for 30 or 40 minutes, Lord, as I research and as I look at your scripture, I know that it can speak to me and illuminate to me. But Lord, I have the gift and talent of, be, of teaching. But Lord, as I walk off this stage, Lord, as I leave this space, Lord, how do the next 23 and a half hours define me? Show us how I am filled by the Spirit. As I walk and I see somebody and I feel that your Spirit leading me to talk to them and I go and I talk to them, Lord, that is how I know I'm filled by the Spirit because I'm so moved by love that, and moved by your Spirit that I know I need to speak with them. Or when somebody is not so kind to me, but I exude kindness back to them, Lord, that's countercultural. And that begins from a place of love, being spirit-filled. Lord, as I walk through this day and I am filled with joy, and even in the midst of uncertainty of life, that's how I know I am walked by the Spirit. Lord, when I have peace in the midst of tough situations, that's how I know I'm living a spirit-filled life. Lord, we want to be spirit-filled. We want to abide in you. We want to let your spirit fill us. We want to be transformed by the love and by the, the, the promises that you've shown and bestowed upon us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the rest of your day. Hopefully, we can see you in this space next week or more along the lines. Pastor Glenn can see you in this space next week. Have a great rest of your day.